These are very dark days for this wicked world, and it's growing darker by the day. If the church is reading the biblical signs correctly, Jesus Christ will very soon return in the clouds to receive the blood bought unto himself. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Jesus said when he returns, the world's sinful condition will be as it was in the days of Noah. Matthew twenty four thirty six and 37. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Genesis 6, 5 through 6, records the way of the world just prior to the global flood that destroyed the entire earth and its land creatures, with the exception of the occupants of the ark. And it reads, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Satan's M.O. is to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10.10. He is pounding away relentlessly on all fronts, and especially at the very bedrock foundations of man's social structure. Satan is ferociously attacking the basics, boy likes girls, leading to a male-female marriage, and even if one is a boy or a girl, regardless of their biological body parts. The new progressive cause du jour is LGBTQ123 add-on to infinitum. The devil will not relent and will not permit his disciples of damnation to stop their incessant drive against all that is God. He has come for you, for me, and for our children and grandchildren. This is important for the saints to see. The carnal political leaders, the universities, the entertainment and media industries have become the servants of the Antichrist himself. There is no longer any question. Truly, our differences are irreconcilable. In these last days, the world's news will be bleak and dark, stacked upon bleak and dark. Second Timothy 3.13, For but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But for the born again, the news could not be any brighter. It is certainly the 180-degree principle in bold capital letters. When wickedness has come to the full, when evil's darkness... Rest upon the damned, a darkness so deep it can be felt. The born again will be caught up to meet Jesus in the clouds. Remember, Jesus is called the bright and morning star, Revelation twenty-two sixteen. Listen to this. The saints will bask in the light of his glory. Dear visitor, have you yet to be born again, born a literal second time, this time of the Spirit of God, this time as a child of God? John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In just a moment, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt. And if you follow the childlike instructions there from your heart, today you will be born again. You will be quickened, made alive by the Holy Ghost. Today, all your sin and its shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. Today, all of Satan's bondages in your life will be thoroughly broken in spite of how big they may appear. Today, you will become a new, beautiful creature in Christ. 
Here is the prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Now for today's subject. God said, Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. God said, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. God said, Psalms 24, 3 through 5, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Man said, to be honest with you, I've never really read the Bible. That's okay, though, because everybody knows it's not true, or at best not to be taken literally. I'm too busy discovering myself to waste time with an archaic book written by old men with a God fetish. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1073 that will again certify the supernatural and inerrant veracity of God's Holy Bible. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and to be used as soul-winning bait. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. May God's face shine upon you with light and truth. The Word of God is so exhilarating, so marvelous, so illuminating. It teaches us exactly how we are made, how to harness all our parts, producing an amazing soundness. This short series will change everything in a most dramatic way when applied to your life daily. We will actually sit in the secret place of the Most High, where only the best of everyone and everything resides. If you have yet to visit parts one and two of this series, we recommend that you stop here and start from the beginning. We will review the first two parts in this feature, but you will lack the accumulated weight visiting those first two features affords. Jesus identifies the four parts of man in Mark 12, verse 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. These four parts, heart, soul, mind, strength, are separate and apart from one another. God's Word teaches us how to harness and bring these four parts into inner harmony with the Word of God. This harmony is how we reside in the secret place of the Most High. God's Word teaches us how to identify the parts, segregate and purify each, and then amalgamate into one perfect union. Here all the inner conflicts cease, and here in the secret place, all of God's good things are magnified to the max. In part one, we discovered that the heart is not, as science supposed until only recently, just a sophisticated pump. Excerpts follow from four-part harmony, part one, who is talking. HeartMath.org reports, Some of the first researchers in the field of psychophysiology to examine the interactions between the heart and the brain were John and Beatrice Lacey. 
During 20 years of research throughout the 1960s and 1970s, they observed that the heart communicates with the brain in ways that significantly affect how we perceive and react to the world. The Lacys noticed that the model proposed by Cannon, the autonomic nervous system moving in concert with related physiological responses, only partially matched actual physiological behavior. As their research evolved, they found that the heart in particular seemed to have its own logic that frequently diverged from the direction of autonomic nervous system activity. The heart was having as though it, uh, acting as though it had a mind of its own. Furthermore, the heart appeared to be sending meaningful messages to the brain that the brain not only understood, but also obeyed. Even more intriguing was that it looked as though these messages could affect a person's perceptions, behavior, and performance. The Lacy's identified a neural pathway and mechanism whereby input from the heart to the brain could inhibit or facilitate the brain's electrical activity. One of their early findings is that the heart has a complex neural network that is sufficiently extensive to be characterized as a brain on the heart. The heart-brain, as it is commonly called, or intrinsic cardiac nervous system, is an intricate network of complex, complex ganglia, neurotransmitters, proteins, and support cells, the same as those of the brain in the head. The heart-brain's neural circuitry enables it to act independently of the cranial brain to learn, remember, make decisions, and even feel and sense. In terms of heart-brain communication, it is generally well known that the efferent descending pathways and the autonomic nervous system are involved in the regulation of the heart. However, it is less appreciated that the majority of fibers in the vagus, vagus nerves are afferent ascending in nature. Furthermore, more of these ascending neural pathways are related to the heart and cardiovascular system than to any other organ. This means the heart sends more information to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. The article, See the Little Brain of the Heart, was published in the August 1, 2020 issue of Science News excerpts follow. The heart has its own brain, a group of nerve cells known as the intercardiac nervous system. Now scientists have drawn a detailed 3D map of this nervous system in rat hearts. Systems biologist James Schwaber of Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia and colleagues use knife-edge scanning microscopy and genetic analysis to map the nerve cells in 3D. In a reconstructed rat brain, nerve cells that make up a heart's brain cluster around the top of the heart near where blood vessels enter and exit, end of quote. The brain of the heart pictured in the article sits directly on top of the heart or upon its table. Proverbs 3.3 3, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. Second Corinthians 3 Corinthians 3.3 For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. You have read of the independent heart and the heart's brain upon its table, wisdom and insights that only the maker could know. The world's academics scorned, but not anymore. 
Did academia's mockers and scoffers release a public statement saying, Well, what do you know? The Bible was right after all. Did you see any red faces? They just can't blush. Their ignorance of God and His Word is really breathtaking. End of quote. There is an intercommunication, a running dialogue, taking place between the mind, the heart, and the soul. Note these verses, Psalms 4.4. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still, Selah. Proverbs 4.23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Psalms 42.5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Luke twelve nineteen. And I will say to my soul, So thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy ease, eat, drink, and be merry. James 4, 8. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. The following paragraphs are from part two of four-part harmony, and it says this. In the camp of the redeemed, the who that is conversing with the heart and the soul is the Holy Ghost transformed mind. The born-again mind is given the charge to interface with the heart and the soul and to bring these separate parts into harmony with the Word of God and to purify them. These amazing verses tell the story. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The renewing of the mind transforms the entire body, heart, soul, and, of course, the mind. It also harnesses the fourth factor, strength. This is accomplished by the Holy Ghost that dwells in the belly. Concerning instruction, John seven thirty-eight and 39 reads, He that believeth on me, as the Scriptures hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. As the believer immerses himself in the Word of God, the Holy Ghost, the physically onboard, supernatural, and inerrant teacher, instructs, and this instruction separates the child of God from the world's hurtful lust. Concerning instruction, John fourteen twenty six says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. In this process, the Holy Ghost is renewing the mind. There is a washing, a purifying that takes place as the mind is being renewed by the Holy Ghost instruction in the Word of God that transforms all the internal parts, and it is called washing of water by the Word. Ephesians five twenty-five through 27. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. 
To accomplish a whole man's transformation, the heart, soul, and strength must be brought into a four-part harmony by the renewed mind. Consider 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. As the mind is renewed by the word of God, every imagination and thought bows at the feet of Christ. The mind, the heart, and the soul all think independently, and they must be brought into harmony with the word of God. First Thessalonians 4.4 4, That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. The renewing of the mind, which is a totally spiritual procedure, actually transforms the rest of the body at the cellular level in a myriad of ways. The power of the placebo is harnessed. The harm of the nocebo is destroyed. And the actual physical brain even changes form. This changing of the brain is known in neuroscience as neuroplasticity. The following excerpt is from the God Said, Man Said feature, The Plastic Brain. The big news in the field of neuroscience is that the brain is plastic. It changes form over time, and words and experiences are central to this process. Thousands of years before neuroscience was even conceived, God declares this principle over and over again in His Word. Example, Romans 12, 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed, transformed, you hear this? But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The godly renewing of the mind, making new the mind, actually transforms your entire being, mind, heart, body, soul, and spirit. This process occurs through a very dramatic, life-changing experience, what Jesus Christ calls born again in John 3, 3. The words of God renew the mind, and we are transformed. Webster's 1828 American Dictionary of the English Language defines transform to change the form of, to metamorphose. Metamorphose is defined to change into a different form. Again, Webster defines it in theology as follows, change the natural disposition and temper of man from a state of enmity, war, uh, with God and his law, into the image of God or into a disposition and temper conformed to the will of God, end of quote. The Greek dictionary used in the Strong's Concordance also defines transform as metamorphose. The call to the mind of Christ is the call to be transformed into the likeness of God. Back to paradise, where only one voice, one word was heard. Imagine, God changes our entire being with words, His words. So neuroscience now understands that the brain can be transformed. The Word of God, the foundation of all that is true, proclaims this revelation thousands of years ago. End of quotes. Four-part harmony, accomplished by the application of the Word of God, takes us into the secret place of the Most High. Here all inner conflicts are gone, and oneness with the Father and the Son by the ministry of the Holy Ghost is achieved. Here all good things are magnified and maximized. 
Psalms 91, verse 1, He that dwelleth excuse me, in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Psalms 24, 3 through 5. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. The book of Psalms identifies one of the requirements to enter the secret place of the Most High, being a pure heart. Much of the time, the Christian resides outside this holy place of power because of heart issues. The charge of discovering and correcting these issues is the Holy Ghost renewed and transformed mind. Again, Proverbs 4.23, this instruction is given to the mind, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. At the place Jesus calls born again, a major four-part transformation begins. For one, a heart transplant, uh, transplant takes place, as prophesied in Ezekiel eleven nineteen and 20, and I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, and will give them an heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes, and keep mine ordinances, and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. At the same time, the soul is saved, and the Holy Ghost enters in and, become, and begins the renewing of the mind. Then the conversation begins. The Holy Ghost's renewed mind must inspect the heart frequently in order to keep it pure. A pure heart is required to sit in God's secret place. But you'll be surprised at how doable a pure heart really is. The following four steps will demonstrate how beautifully simple it is. 1. Get before God and bring praise and thanksgiving. Maybe even sing a godly song. Then ask Him to reveal the problems in your heart one at a time. Number two, imagine your heart as a walk-in pantry with its shelves stocked with various spiritual things. Walk in and turn on the light. Number three, you will have Holy Ghost eyes. Consider what is on each shelf and take inventory. One shelf may hold bitterness. Bitterness is an evil spirit, a serpent, the devil. Someone has harmed you or offended you, and this bitter spirit, which has lips, hands, teeth, and feet, has found a place in your heart. Bitterness is deadly, always justifiable in the natural mind, but never with God. If you have found bitterness on the shelves of your heart, your heart is not pure, and you are not sitting in God's secret place of great joy. Number four, it's time to start speaking. Hosea chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words, and turn to the Lord. Say unto him, Take away our iniquity, and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. Everything is literally made out of words, God's words. Proverbs eighteen twenty one reads, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. It's time to speak to the heart. Your Holy Ghost renewed mind will transform the situation as you speak to your heart the Word of God mixed with faith. Here is a demonstration of the process of heart purification, and it always works. Thou spirit of bitterness in my heart, by the power of Jesus Christ I charge you to come out and do not return. It is written, and I write these words upon the table of my heart, 
Hebrews 12, 14 and 15, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. It is written, and I write these words upon the table of my heart, Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It is written, and I write these words upon the table of my heart, Matthew 5, verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. It is written, and I write these words upon the table of my heart, Mark eleven twenty five and 26. And when ye stand praying, forgive, if ye have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Our Lord Jesus Christ, after suffering the ultimate deadly evil at the hands of men, said in Luke 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and they parted his raiment and cast lots. Okay, now in this paragraph, I'm going to say I forgive, and you're going to put a name or names. I forgive so-and-so. In Jesus' name, I even love my enemies. Thank you, Father, for the power and authority of your word to purify my heart. Hallelujah! I am clean. You have destroyed that deadly serpent of bitterness, hatred, and unforgiveness from the shelves of your heart's pantry. You have cleansed the area of your heart by the washing of the water of the word. Do note that if you do not forgive, you are not forgiven, and you do not sit in the secret place of God. And the secret place is mercy, grace, and forgiveness. It is where all good things live, and here they are magnified to the max. Other evils, such as covetousness, fear, slothfulness, depression, lust, and more, are eradicated just as demonstrated. It's just that simple. Four-part harmony makes us one with the Father and the Son, and all by the quickening power of the Holy Ghost. Here, your inner conflicts end. Here, your absolutes will be absolutely absolute. This is the secret place of the Most High. End of quotes. In part two, we also learn that the mind and the brain are not the same entity. In the Bible, in Luke sixteen nineteen through 26, Jesus gives us the account of the rich man in hell. Even though the rich man's brain, along with the rest of his physical body parts, are decaying in the rich man's tomb, his spiritual body goes on. Luke sixteen twenty through through 24. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am, in tor I am tormented in this flame. Again, this following excerpt from part two. The rich man's body is in the rich man's tomb. His eyes are in his tomb. The rich man's tongue is in his tomb. His brain is in his tomb. Yet in hell, the rich man's eyes look up. In hell, he asks for water to cool his tongue, 
and hell, he begins to reason with Abraham, whom he sees afar off. The rich man's body was in the rich man's tomb returning to dust, but in hell his soul was in torment. His mind lived on after brain death. Note that death is separation from the God of life and not oblivion, as some suppose. We have a physical body, and we have a spiritual body. Scientists now theorize that the mind does live on after the brain is dead and call it the quantum mind. What caused this dramatic about-face was the extensive research into NDEs, near-death experiences. People who have died and have been resuscitated have returned with stories and accounts that the brain-dead should not know, driving the conclusion among, among scientific theorists that the mind is separate from the brain. An unintended side effect of their conclusion was yet another affirmation among the childlike that the Bible was, of course, right all along. Conversations are going on internally, and yes, externally, between the heart, the soul, and the mind, end of quote. Note the separateness and some of the attributes of the heart. Earlier you read Ezekiel eleven nineteen and 20, and I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, and will give them an heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes, and keep mine ordinances, and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. A heart transplant, it truly occurs at the place Jesus calls born again, yet the heart must be maintained. Proverbs 4.23, again, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The Holy Ghost renewed mind is given this charge concerning the heart. Deuteronomy 4.29, But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Psalms 9.1, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Psalms 27.8, When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Luke 6.45, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. But an unattended heart degenerates quickly. Genesis 6.5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Jeremiah 17.19, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Psalms 10, verse 3, For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire and blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. The heart is the seat of emotions and the seat of faith, or conversely, what Hebrews 3.12 calls an evil heart of unbelief. Listen, the heart must be attended. Note the separateness and some of the attributes of the soul. The soul is man's life. Genesis, Genesis excuse me, 2.7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Genesis 46.18. These are the sons of Zilpah, whom Laban gave to Leah his daughter, and she bare unto Jacob even sixteen souls. The soul is your living being, and it eats. Leviticus 7.27 Whatsoever soul it be that eateth any manner of blood, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. 
if doesn't one eat if, if one doesn't eat uh, unto the point of death, the soul leaves the body. A soul grieves judges ten sixteen it desires first Samuel two sixteen it can be bitter job seven eleven the soul talks psalm sixteen two can be joyful psalms thirty five verse nine thirsteth psalms forty two two ponders the past psalms forty two four can be discouraged psalms forty two five can be satisfied proverbs six thirty can be slighted proverbs twenty nine seventeen it has an appetite. Isaiah 29, verse 8, can be sorrowful, Mark 14, 34, can be bound to another soul. It's in a soulmate idea, Genesis 34, verse 3. The soul is the you, and it is the soul that must be saved. Hebrews 10, 39, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. James 1, verse 22, uh, 22, excuse me, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9, Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. The soul is the recipient of what proceeds from the heart, for out of the heart comes the issues of life. It is the responsibility of the Holy Ghost's renewed mind, a mind renewed by the Word of God to control or censor what enters the heart. A pure heart is one of the requirements to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. You are blocked from the secret place if you are giving place to fear, complaining, gossip, slothfulness, envy, lust, bitterness, hatred, unforgiveness, lies, and more. Here's one more demonstration of tending the heart regarding the devil's spirit of fear, which will consume you if it is given place. Redo steps one, two, and three in the previous example of bitterness. In step four, it's time to speak to the heart. Your Holy Ghost renewed mind will transform the situation as you speak the word of God mixed with faith to your heart. As you participate in this demonstration of heart purification, you must know it always works. Let's talk. You damnable devil, spirit of fear in my heart, by the power of Christ my Savior, I charge you to come out of my heart now and do not return. It is written, and I write these words upon the table of my heart. Matthew 10, verse 28. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. It is written, and I write these words upon the table of my heart. Revelation 21, 7 and 8. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. It is written, and I write these words upon the table of my heart. Psalms 46, verses 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. It is written, and I write these words upon the table of my heart. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, 
but of power and of love and of a sound mind. By the power of Jesus Christ, my heart is totally free and purified of the devil's fear. Hallelujah! I am clean! I now reside in the secret place of the Most High, where all good things are magnified to the maximum. In the secret place, all inner conflicts cease, all subliminal doubts vanish, and all thoughts of unworthiness end. In the secret place, all God's good gifts are magnified to the maximum. There is no place like the secret place. I must be there. God said, Mark 12, verse 30, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. God said, Proverbs 4:23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. God said, Psalms 24, 3 through 5, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Man said, to be honest with you, I've never really uh, read the Bible. That's okay, though, because everybody knows it's not true or at best not to be taken literally. I'm too busy discovering myself to waste time with an archaic book written by old men with a God fetish. Now you have the record.